Hello. Come on in then. I'll take your coat. No, no, no. You can leave your shoes on. Head to the table. Make yourself at home. If you give me a minute, I'll get whatever you're drinking. Welcome to Table Conversation, the podcast where we tip the world towards love one conversation at a time with me. I am Craig Story. So how are you doing then? I hope you're all good and you're working your way through whatever it is that's going on for you this week. If it has been a struggle, then I think you're really going to enjoy this week's chat at the table. That's because I'm joined by integrative counsellor and psychoeducational coach Andrew Ellis. Andrew has a passion for helping others work through difficult stages in their lives. We had so much to talk about. What counselling is, grief, anxiety, self-awareness, self-acceptance, guilt, shame, the list goes on. But I'll stop here now. Let's get on with the conversation. So hi, Andrew. How are you today? How are you doing? Hello, Craig. I'm very excited to be here. Um, this is a wonderful thing, podcast, and I'm looking forward to being on yours. You've got a very lovely nature about you. I've listened short to some of your other ones. Oh, thank you. And thank you for agreeing to be here. Um, now, I just said in short in your introduction that you're a counsellor and you're a psychoeducational coach. So tell us, tell me, um, wh- what is counselling about? It's, and it's quite interesting to talk about it this week, actually, because last week I spoke about some alternative therapies that people are using at the moment. And they're, they're becoming more and more um kind of not mainstream but more and more talked about um so this counseling i always see it mainly i kind of see it as more a traditional kind of therapy or a more i don't know proven kind of therapy isn't it absolutely i mean counseling um is 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 just a term that 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 we use for for our profession i'll go into it in detail in a second i mean you can have counseling and healing through so many different ways through obviously like you said alternative uh, services through having a chat with your dog um you can have so many different healing conversations so the, the thing is it's finding what is best for you because you're right there's so many different things i suppose the thing about counseling that kind of sets it aside um is counseling um allows you to look at sort of really deep issues um sort of really uh, big feelings maybe that you haven't explored before um we take more of approach of looking at the traumas issues you might have experienced and and helping you change perspectives and change uh, responses around those things um different sort of therapies like i mean um coaching for instance they tend to be more practical uh they don't tend to go rummaging around in trauma they they, they tend to be practical looking at at, at things to do if that makes sense yeah definitely and when you just said there uh, I think it's you said trauma looking at things that we probably haven't gone over and some we sometimes some of us avoid doing that for the whole of our lives don't we but that could sound or it sounds could sound a little bit scary that someone would walk in and we you go straight into that so how would a, a session with you work yeah well, absolutely well the client is always in charge of the depth we work at. So if a client didn't want to go into trauma work straight away, that's kind of cool. I mean, I wouldn't want to really go straight into trauma work straight away anyway, because it's important to have some foundations. It's important to lay the groundwork before we even sort of, you know, step in that area. Um, but yeah, the, the, the client's in fully in control. Um, the, we always run the risk with trauma of re-traumatizing, and that's something we obviously don't want to do. That makes sense because I, I just imagine that somebody walks in uh, uh, that you have to sort of I suppose you have to be open at some level to start to think about wanting to speak with a counsellor or or wanting some kind of therapy you've got to be open I guess in some ways haven't you 
Yeah, the most important aspect I feel is the relationship. If you feel safe and contained and you trust the person you're talking to, then it kind of allows you to safely look at these deeper things. If obviously you haven't got this strong relationship to start off with, then you're not going to get a lot out of counselling, I would suggest. Well, actually, maybe any therapy, you know, um, whether that's alternative or not, it, you kind of have to have that trust. Yeah, and I, I, I know what you mean, because you, you feel it, don't you? And if it's a bit like meeting someone. I know it's not for dating or in this scenario, but you, you feel that if you have a connection with if your friendship circle, even you, you, you connect with certain people and maybe someone could come along to you or and feel that you're not right or another therapist or another counsellor wasn't right for them. I suppose it is about choosing. Absolutely. I hear it so, so much. People come to me and go, I've done counselling before, it didn't work for me. Um, and you're so right. You haven't tried with lots of different counsellors. You tried with this one person that perhaps wasn't, you know, wasn't a match to you. Um, and also there's different types of therapies. So actually you might have tried, like I'll give you an example. This is what I hear quite often from my clients. Um, they tend to go to more person-centred counsellors who are wonderful, but person-centred counsellors typically um, do a lot of reflective work, a lot of mirror work. So you talk to me and I'll reflect what you've said. Um I work in a slightly different way. So as much as you're in control, I'm a bit more um, involved. I, you know, look at tips, tools, strategies. Um, so you might find that working with that counsellor didn't work, but then coming over to work another way, it might work for you. Yeah, definitely. So which way, what way, what type of counselling do you, what, what service do you work with? What do you offer? Well, I'm an integrative counsellor. So I integrate lots of different models um, depending on the client. So we can work in a person-centred way. Um, often I have clients who like to talk and voice what's going on inside their heads and they come to their own conclusions and that's fantastic, you know. Um, I have other clients who sh struggle with that um, and then we might look at uh, models of psychoeducational models, which is the other thing that I do. Uh, I'm a psychoeducational coach um, so we can look in that way, which is kind of nice because it gives you like a global perspective rather than being um, a deep look at your stuff, you can have a global perspective of what's going on and that can often set off lots of conversations um, and can often give us lots of yummy, juicy things to work on. That sounds good. It sounds like, a, a, for me, because I've never been to a counsellor, I've never had this, or been in a, a therapy, in this kind of therapy, but it sounds like a, a real safe space where, you know, sometimes you sit down and your head just goes off in different directions and you, you've got so much information, you're processing everyone else's thoughts, and then to have someone or a space where you can come into and you can just offload almost all of that or to, to voice it all, it sounds pretty good. I, I'm, I'm a big advocate for therapy. I think that, although I did speak about trauma and things earlier on, I think sometimes just being able to speak <laughs> and voice about you is important. We don't get a chance to do that in, in, in today. People are waiting to speak, you know, and say their bit. They don't wait and let you, you know, explore yourself. Yeah, yeah so. everyone likes... <laughs> everyone likes talking about themselves and sometimes you you walk away from some conversations don't you like I actually haven't said anything about myself that person knows nothing Absolutely. we have all the other streams of information of social media mainstream media news everything sort of comes in doesn't it and sometimes we just our brains probably haven't evolved enough to process that level of information it's it's mad isn't it I fully agree with that um yeah 
social media is just a constant information being bombarding you. I mean, even things like the, the adverts, you know, targeted ads and all these sort of things are just bombarding. You're not beautiful enough. You're not confident enough. You know, you're, you're too introverted for some people. Um, yeah, it's a bombardment. Sometimes it's helpful to go back to who am I? <laughs> Let's get rid of all that nonsense. Who am I? How do I think? And we stri- strip by stripping it all away and going back to that. And it's a, so is that how the process would start for you? You would go back to with a client to that kind of level and trying to take things away or just exploring with them to find out which path of the, which kind of strategy you're going to use for them? So I suppose the first thing I do is I have a conversation. I say, hello. What's bringing you? What do you hope to get from sessions? What 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 are we doing here? Um, and have that conversation. What's worked before? What hasn't worked before? To get a sort of a a, a direction to to start heading in. Obviously, we can always change that at a later date, but it gives us a starting point. Um, but in the early days, it's very much about trust building um, and just honouring the problem or honouring the difficulties that someone's going through. Um, um, sometimes not trying to fix things and just saying, actually, that sounds difficult. I, I can hear what you're going through. Sometimes that's enough just to hear that you're not mad, <laughs> just to hear that you're normal. That, that sometimes is just enough. And obviously, as the process goes on, you'll naturally look into tools, techniques moving forward naturally. That's part of the process later on. So it, it's not, I just want to put it out there just so everyone knows that it's not something that's to be scared about or it's, it's a, it, there is a process and there is a strategy that you've got that, it's led by them as you said so that that's a good point and we in this country and probably lots of countries around the world at the minute we're probably suffering um like a, almost an epidemic of mental health aren't we one of my friends actually said just the other week that it was uh, a three-month waiting list to see someone within um the nhs or the, the the prescribed mental health why do you think that is why do you think it's a great question i i think obviously i'm i'm from the private yeah. sector so obviously there's a financial cost to seeing me. Um, not everyone is in a position where they're able to pay that, you know, because I'm, I'm aware there is a financial cost there. I mean, I kind of see it as an investment into your future. You know, I see it as, as an investment. But not everyone is fortunate to have that option, you know. When we look at public services, there's some wonderful free public services, but they're often completely overwhelmed with the level of needs for mental health services. So you do get this thing where you get long waiting lists. I mean, I know in some areas it's over a year, the waiting list, you know, um, which is, it's not okay, but I understand why it happens, you know. Um, And unfortunately, again, the nice thing about private, if you can afford private, you get the choice of who you see how long you see them for, what you work on, you get the choice. In the public sector, often you don't get to choose who you see. You often don't get to choose the length. It's normally just six sessions um, or sometimes eight sessions. Um, And unfortunately, sometimes I think that's, this is my opinion here, so some people might disagree with me, but I sometimes feel that's just sticking a plaster over a wound. You know, some people need a lot, lot longer. They need time to unpack years of stuff to, to reorganize lots of stuff and move on you know six sessions often doesn't cut it you know so unfortunately i think it's a resource problem i believe and the the investment just isn't there is it i guess from like you said that yeah. can be a whole podcast about investment in in public services and all yeah. of that um but why do you think people are reaching out and needing so much support what do you think it is about our lives that we're leading i mean we've just touched on some things to do with information way we process things but what do you think 
is happening with people? Well, I think there's lots of different aspects. I mean, recently, when we look at um, COVID coming through that, there's been isolation. There's been breakdown of connection, breakdown of healthy interactions and healthy relationships. Um, And we're designed to be a a community creature. That's how we're designed. Even if you're more introverted and have a smaller community, there's still a community there. You know, Um, that's how we function. That's how we work well. As soon as you remove us from people, um, the best of us um, struggle, I think. Um, But also on the other aspect or on another aspect i'm sure there's many aspects um i do think we live in an age um, where there's still stigma i know there's a lot of work being done on it but i do think there's still stigma around mental health um i think that we are in in a world where we have to show our best side all the time and look prim and proper and presentable and not show weakness um not that mental health is a weakness and that really bothers me when people say that but but anyway (laughs) perceived weakness you know yeah, it's a, a it's a whole kaleidoscope, I guess, of things, isn't it? And it, it's good that there are avenues and there are, like you say, people like you who are working in the private sector that people can get hold of when it comes to the. And I think you're right with the the last twenty months or so, how it feels like twenty years worth of COVID information uh, and the isolation. I didn't realise how much I live by myself and. At the start of the pandemic, I was had a routine. I adapted quite quickly into that that way of doing things and being isolated. Then, as the time went on, got sick to the back teeth of it. And then, you know, as soon as I see a story or I hear clippets on the radio where they say about, oh, I think we should go back into lockdowns or isolation again, it, it rises in me. It's kind of like a, a feeling that I get of maybe it is a bit of like remembering the trauma of what what it felt like before. Yeah. Absolutely. I think there's a really interesting point on there. Um, Although we all experience COVID, we all experienced it. Although we all experienced a storm, we're all in different boats. Some of us are really lucky to have jobs that could be flexible and work from home. Some of us had families around us, so we had interaction. Some of us lived on our own. Some of us perhaps lost our jobs. So, So although we all experienced it, some people didn't have the buffer that other people were lucky enough to have, you know. So that's why I think COVID's affected us differently. Um, but I think it's had a knock effect on everyone, you know, in general. Yeah, it's changed the way we live, hasn't it? And I think even now at this point where we're pretty much restriction-free, certainly here in England, but even I've got friends, family that are still really scared to go out and do things or or yeah. being back in, in to go from... Um, zero to 100 miles an hour almost from like you're sitting at home by yourself or in that nice little routine then to go down the pub where there's crowds of people people not wearing masks and any advice for anyone that might be feeling like that well um, reach out talk that would be my advice um and it didn't have to be a counselor like we said earlier on there's so many alternative therapies out there, so many groups out there. Just chatting to your friends, getting out, getting outside and having a walk and chatting to your friends. This is the connection that's important, I believe. Obviously, if you find there are stumbling blocks to that, if you find that you're emotionally um, or mentally struggling with that, then that's perhaps a time to see a therapist or someone else, you know. Um, but I think um, it's... It's really difficult for everyone. But then if you've had mental health issues before lockdown, um, coming through, I think it's even harder again because there was issues in the first place and now you've magnified those issues. And so now you've got like a snowball effect, you know. Um, In those cases, I would really, really recommend just 
chat to people. I know with therapy now, I do a lot of my stuff, well, all of my stuff now, online and telephone. I've moved across through the pandemic to remote services. So even if you don't think you can get out of the house, you know, you can find counsellors that are a phone call away, you know. Yeah, and that's been a real, that has been like a real saviour, hasn't it, throughout the pandemic, the fact that we can connect with other people offering service and also friends, family, just by seeing a video, you can, you feel like you're, you're in touch with someone. That's it. There's connection there at some stage. Yeah. Do you think it, like, I don't know, I'm just thinking out loud there. I suppose that's quite good for a podcast, but the, um, <laughs> the, I was just thinking, you know, do we get the same, do you know if we get the same social benefit from this kind of interaction over video? Does it have the same benefits to us as humans? Yeah, I, I think, I, I don't know the science behind this, I haven't done the research, um, but I do believe face-to-face connection is is something really special, you know. Um, I think online you can be sort of one step removed. Um, that's not necessarily the worst thing in the world. I mean, not seeing anyone, not speaking to anyone, then it's a great step forward, isn't it? Just to be connecting with somebody, you know, that's a great step forward. So I think it's important to utilise that. Um, but no, I do think, real life face-to-face human interaction is really important um but i think it's a sort of stepping stone for a lot of people you know and i give you an example if someone's got agoraphobia then this is a wonderful way of of overcoming some hurdles you know you can get support without leaving your house you know if somebody's really anxious then this can be a good way to get the ball rolling and then perhaps set some set yourself some goals to i don't know get out for five minutes a day walk around the park whatever you know um so yeah, I think I think it's not the same, but it's still very valid and very useful. You just mentioned there um, about feeling anxious, and that's something that I hear in lots of conversations. And people probably who haven't even had a medical diagnosis, or they they just know that or translate that feeling as anxiety. And people say, "Oh, my anxiety is up. I'm feeling anxious." And it's quite a common chat, isn't it, about quite anxiety? Um, so how, what what is anxiety? First off, anxiety is an emotion. It's a wonderful, healthy human emotion, which is absolutely normal. Um, I think where it falls down um, is when we start putting negative judgments um, on top of the feelings we have or using coping strategies to avoid dealing with our emotions, you know, because all our emotions are designed for us to tell us information. That's the whole point of them. When we start denying them or fighting them or pretending we don't feel anxious um we kind of compound the problem we're not listening to the information that's given us you know um and i think with anxiety if i give you a bit of an analogy that might be helpful yeah sure if you were if i asked you to drive a car in a a different country so they've got different rules on their roads how would you feel craig if i asked you to do that i would feel nervous i think oh i would i probably feel a little bit anxious about it i'd be starting to think i'd already be there i'd already i would have taken myself into that car and i'd be thinking about the rules and trying to find out as much as i could before i got there absolutely absolutely and that's a safety thing isn't it i mean our anxiety is is working well for us because it's telling us we need to be a bit cautious here so actually your anxiety is spot on giving us wonderful information now if you decided i'm not doing it i'm not driving um i'm too nervous i'm too anxious i'm not going to do it how would you feel the next day if i asked you to drive the car again i'd just have shut it out i'd have thought i i I don't i think that's how if you asked me the next day to do the same thing and i'd already decided i wasn't going to do it because it was too too it was causing me too much pain or too much anxiety then i would just say no not doing it that's not something i would do 
absolutely and then you get this pattern of not doing and the longer you don't do the thing um it becomes a more compounded more compounded problem until you get things like phobias perhaps you know i've not driven for 10 years i'm not going to drive ever again and it's a huge problem how do you overcome that you know if we look at the information and actually acknowledge it yes there's a reason for this for this um emotion um if we look at our responses to that emotion look to change those responses if we look to change our beliefs and our thoughts around the thing then we might be in a position where we're able to do the thing we might be nervous we might be scared it might not be perfect but you're more likely to do the thing and then you get a desensitization from the anxiety if that mm. makes sense if you drove the car for example uh, every day for 365 days in a strange country how do you think you'd feel at the end it would just be normal wouldn't it it'd just be we'd have spice girls playing <laughs> we'd have the window open la, 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 life's great yeah so that's kind of a and it's a simple analogy there's more to it than that but it kind of gives you a bit of an over a bit of a way of understanding that yeah I, I like that it, it sort of explained it perfectly for me and it, if how like on those like everyday sort of smaller anxieties I'm, I know if somebody's suffering to the point where they're not your example that they they're not they haven't been in a car <laughs> for the past 10 years that's quite extreme they're probably going to need some help with that but everyday kind of anxieties how how do we deal with those yeah so I, I kind of believe in exposure therapy that's kind of my main belief when working with anxiety i kind of feel that life is difficult and life is going to continue being difficult i think the importance through counseling is about changing the way we look at difficult situations and looking at how we respond because if we can respond differently then we're going to have different outcomes okay so the problem's still going to be there life's still going to be hard we're still going to have times when we feel anxiety which is a human emotion that's what we do but hopefully we can deal with it in a different way. That's the important thing. Um, and I mean, if we're talking about perspective shifts, uh, a helpful perspective shift that I like um, is, um, I mean, I use this as an affirmation, but you know, to, to give you an example, um, the muckiest muck, the, the, the manure, the manureist manure makes the best fertilizer, you know, um, the harder situation is, the more we have to work through. We actually grow more as a person through that. We learn so much about ourselves. We learn about our capabilities. We learn so much. It's, it's such wonderful stuff. Um, often, as, as I was saying there, the important thing is being able to talk about it and, and trying things. That's the important part. Yeah. I don't know if that helped or not, if I ranted. No, I think you're <laughs> right. I think that it's it's just, like you say, uh, like you said there, it's it's acceptance that life is tough. And I think, like, we we kind of go on this path, and maybe that is projected by society in some ways, that we, we will get to an end point and we'll be completely fixed. But I, I, I don't think that's ever going to happen in my lifetime. <laughs> I think we're always going to have difficulties. There's always going to be something that's thrown up. And like you said, that's how we how we learn and we grow, isn't it? And I, I almost think if everything was perfect and we had everything we wanted and life was rosy, I kind of think we'd lose so much from that. I think you'd lose the meaning of love. You'd lose the meaning of happiness. You'd learn, lose the meaning of wealth. And I don't just mean financially speaking. Um, without the sort of the shady side, you can't see the light, you know, without the dark, you can't see the light, sorry. Um, so it's equally an important part of human existence. 
But again, <laughs> it's all about trying to change the perspectives on it. Because interesting enough, you said earlier on about um, people saying, I am anxious. Um, I hear that a lot. People say that they... I embody this anxiety. This is me. But it's not true. You are a human who experiences a feeling of anxiety. You know, this thing, um, although it might feel like it's some people, absolutely, you know, like it, you might feel overwhelmed by this feeling. Um, but by being able to sort of distance psychologically and acknowledge it for what it is, it kind of stops you being a, a slave to that feeling and gives you a, a chance to do things differently. It gives you a chance to experiment i mean there are so many tools and techniques out there um not everyone's going to work for you mind because we're all individual you know but there's so many things out there that trying different things finding what works for you um that can be so much more helpful than just resigning yourself to i'm an anxious person mm. things won't get better because that's who i am if that yeah definitely and it's owning it i guess in some ways and saying i am it then you it's like you say you're you're taking on the identity of an one emotion and we also do that in some ways when we, we we're not so good at something when we first start out and it's something that bothers me when i hear my younger nieces and nephews and they own like oh i'm rubbish at maths i'm not i it's like they they own those kind of things as well it's like no you're just you're just not there yet with it you're not <laughs> that's what it's yeah, just yeah. It's about not identifying, I guess, too much with these negative connotations, isn't it? There's a bit of a cheesy saying, which kind of is on there that I quite like, which is fail stands for first attempt in learning. And I really love that. And I kind of believe um, you don't actually fail until you stop. Mm. Like, I kind of believe that if you're facing an issue, you will do something with that issue. It will either go correct. Wonderful. We're great. Things, things are going well. It won't work, and then you've got information. Well, what didn't go well? What can I learn from this? You know, that's still wonderful. That's still great. We've got something from that. From that, it's when we stop and resign ourselves and go. Well, actually, there's no point trying now because this is the way it is. That's the only time I think you truly fail. Um, and actually, saying that, I believe that humans will be faced with the same problems time and time again until you look at the problem. So, although you might fail by stopping, then who knows? In a month. In six months, something will happen. You'll have to revisit again. So maybe, you know, that will be the time that you you um, learn what you need to learn and do what you need to do. Yeah, I like that. I'll I'll be stealing that one. The fail a first attempt in learning because it is no one's ever good the first time around at anything, are they? It's, we've got to we've got to keep going at it. And like you say, if you can take something forward. Now, this um, really is how you've ended up where you are now in your profession, isn't it? Because you. Um, I, I read a quote that you described yourself as a wounded healer. Um, is that yeah? That's that, right. So this, so so tell us about how how you ended up in the profession that you're in now, helping other people. I'd love to. Yeah, um, I, I'm human, and I think people think that therapist means we've got all our. I'm not going to swear, but they think we've got it all together. Um, but we're, we're human, you know, we have feelings, we have unhelpful thoughts sometimes. And for me, I was on that journey, you know. Um, and funny enough, it took me a long, long time to even get to the point of going to counselling, you know. But when I got there, I learned so much about me. I learned so much about the way I was living life. And what I found for me, and I think this might be um, helpful for your listeners. For me, I found I was living a life that wasn't aligned to who I am. So I was trying to be a confident, funny, 
um, ladies' man. That's who I was trying to be. The truth of the matter is I'm a bit of a nerd. Um, you know, I, I'm not always the most articulate, you know. Um, and I, I, I suffered with a lot of anxiety. I, I had a lot of anxiety in my life. So I was trying to live a life that didn't actually fit with who or what I was going through at that time anyway, certainly. Um, and what I found through going to therapy is it's okay to be me. It's okay to just be a human. I don't have to be perfect. Um, I'm fabulous in my flawedness. I'm perfect in my imperfections. Um, and when I sort of got to that stage, life started moving a bit easier. There were still difficulties that happened, you know. There's still today when difficulties happen. But I just respond to that in a way that's more in line with my nature, if that makes yeah. sense. And obviously in counselling, I wanted to then share some of that with you good people and with everyone, you know, um, because it's it's almost like a religion to me um, in the sense of I found my people, I found my tribe, I found my peace, um, I found the way to the, be the best possible me. Um, and I want to share that with everyone. I want to give people who've been in the same position as me, feeling different, odd, weird, strange. Um, I just want to share that message that you're perfect. Just as you are, you're perfect. If we can make things a bit easier, let's do that. But essentially, you as a person, you're perfect, you know? Yeah, I like that because we do, don't we? We some we, we, we try and emulate other qualities that we see or other. we lose sight of who we actually are. And um, it was something I even talked about um, last week. It was, um, I was talking about, I went to an evening um, with Holly Willoughby. She was talking about her book and she said she'd reached like the ultimate success that you could see from the outside where you were, she's at the top of a game, husband, healthy kids, obviously rich in terms of money but she was like I've lost me and even having all of that she'd she'd completely lost who she actually was and I think that's quite common for us all isn't it we lose sight of who who we are and what we're about because we're too busy trying to be something else and it's it's funny because often we try to be things that don't fit in our nature so if I give you an example of that so there's a sensitivity I have as a human being, like emotionally I'm sensitive, you know. Um, I, I, I notice very subtle fluctuations in speech patterns or situations, you know. So I'm sort of hyper aware, if you like. But there's also a plus to that. It also means that I'm quite good at empathy. I'm quite good at going, hang on a minute, there's something going on here. What's this about, you know? It means in terms of relationships, um, I feel that I'm able to navigate those difficulties a bit easier than someone who doesn't have that sensitivity, you know? So I was trying to be a non-anxious person. I was trying to be strong. But in doing so, I throw out the baby with the bathwater. I throw out all the good stuff that, that my nature gives me just to try and get rid of this negative. Mm. You know? Whereas someone who's, who's classically strong, someone who's, you know... For them, what might be the bravest, strongest thing to do is not fight or shut down emotions. It might be to talk for them. That might be the most bravest thing they could do, you know. Um, so I think it's about learning what is my nature? How do I need my world to, how do I need to design my life to to meet my needs? If that makes sense. Yeah. And it's, I I think that's, that's right, because we, 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 we don't even ask ourselves that question, do we? We're, we're too busy plotting and planning how we're going to keep up the sort of, the sh- it's almost like a charade, isn't it? Or a, a character that we've created yeah. of who we are rather than yeah. the real person. You just said there, actually, that you, um, a sensitive person, you're a very empathetic person. I know that myself, I can't even watch a horror film or anything that's sad on the TV without, without taking on the emotion. How do you cope with your work? Because I, th- I I don't think I could cope walking away from a session. I think I would end up crying when the person left the room or... Yeah, I mean, uh, we're human. 
So sometimes things do affect us in the room. The other day, fun enough, I, I was having a session, um, and we were talking about the um, the inner child, um, and I did. I felt a lump. I thought, oh, this is kind of really powerful. But the important thing is is working out: is this appropriate to say and share with the client, or is this not appropriate? Now, if if you're in a position maybe where you need to hear that you're normal and you're human, it might be really helpful for me to say actually. I feel quite emotional talking about this. This this feels really powerful for me. That might be appropriate. If you're in a position where you know I don't, I don't know um, where you're in a really deep moment and you're you're being retrospective, then it might not be helpful for me. To go oh, by the way, I'm feeling this now. You know that's not not as helpful. You know, um, but we we have to pick the right moment to say things. But we have supervisions every month. We have to go to another counsellor, oh, right. and that's our space then to offload to talk about things that were brought up for us. Um, and I think it's just about having the awareness there. Um, we, we're human, so we're going to feel. But obviously, it's about being appropriate with that, you know. Um, and, and to be honest, with you, I, it was taught on. It was taught to me from a very early stage in my counselor training. I am me. You are you. So as much as I can empathise with you, your emotions are yours. My emotions are mine. You know. Um, I have my responsibility. You have your responsibility. Um, Obviously, the counselling situation, we are looking if we need to give, um, what's the word, um, signposts into different services or things if you need it, you know. Um, but essentially, I am me, you are you. Um, so we try not to sponge it, if that makes sense. Yeah, I have to do that in conversation sometimes in the supermarket. And when I'm talking to someone, I, I have to walk away <laughs> and say, is that mine? Is that why I'm feeling? And I have to ask myself that question. It's like, no, it's not mine. It can go because I, I take it on like a yeah. sponge. Uh, (laughs) something else that is a a difficult emotion and it's funny enough um it relates to covid as well um in terms of losing jobs losing our old lives even losing loved ones i've had a few listeners that have got in touch more recently and actually my own family we've had um grief and loss of people um and and again that is another one i think that there is an expectation of how we should deal with grief grief is a grief and loss the way we process that is is kind of i'm trying to think how to put this we have a natural way of dealing with grief our body and our mind has a very natural way of dealing with it you know um and and often what we can do is we can interrupt that process whether it's through um i mean if there's a complex loss if someone's passed away in her in like a unusual or, or or um way that you weren't expecting that can cause other difficulties but in just a normal grief and loss I and mean, if we're trying to be brave or we're trying not to cry or we, we can interrupt that process and sometimes i'm gonna i'm not gonna sugarcoat it sometimes people never fully get to a place of acceptance because they haven't gone through that grieving process you know um i think the important thing with grief is to be kind to yourself in the process so it is going to hurt. You might feel angry. You might deny what's going on at times. You know, you, it might be a really difficult process. But the more we deny it and the more we try to avoid it, you're, you're, you're almost hindering yourself. You're hindering that, that, that grieving process. If, if that makes sense. I don't know if, I, yeah. how, if I'm explaining that correct or not. Yeah, I think so. I think that you, um, yeah, it's... And, I've been quite lucky. I haven't really lost that many people that are close to me, but I think it is just stopping. And if you do feel like crying one day and you want to go through photos and make yourself, it's like your brain kind of knows 
like you said, what to do and what you need to do in that moment. Because I've, I've had people, um, friends that have just busied themselves for about three months after losing somebody quite close to them. And then all of a sudden it's caught up with them and it's like, it's kind of magnified it even further because it hasn't been processed in that, in that time. And, and often people can think that they have to process in a short time. So if that happens and it really comes to face you in three months time, um, you almost feel like, well, I can't grieve now, mm. you know, it's too late and it's never too late to grieve. It's never too late to do that process. Um, and I, I think again, talking about the way the world is shaped, even things like your work goes, yeah, you can have two weeks off, you know, grief and loss, you know, you can have that two weeks. But what about in three months when it happened, you know, when I, when I'm feeling that in three months, it's not geared up to, to, I don't think. In, in every organization. I know. Maybe there are some wonderful ones out there, but not in not in the mainstream, I don't think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's such a personal thing. And sorry, the, the, the other side of that as well is people can grieve before the person dies. Like if you've got someone who's got a long-term uh, illness, for example, or, or someone like Alzheimer's, for example, a lot of people do so much grieving before that person's even left them, you know, that when that person actually dies, sometimes that can feel a bit like a relief in some senses that their suffering is no more yeah so and some people feel guilty about that well i didn't cry when this person died well maybe there's a reason for that you know um so we're all different in the way we grieve i'm so glad you just mentioned that and you brought it in because that was a it's it's funny how things get spoken about isn't it and how the universe aligns or whatever but that is specific to what someone has asked me about because they their their pet it was the sense of relief when their, their parent did pass away because they said it was they'd gone through all of that and they were they'd already sort of accepted that that was going to happen before it did so that's good to to have that out there spoken about like we said just before life is difficult and it is difficult and it's not going to be easy to process grief because it and and there should be no sort of time limit on it because it could come in a wave years down the line you could have a wave of remembering that grief and also on things and you're quite right what you're saying you can also do a lot of grieving and sort of go through the process and then find anniversaries or birthdays or particular days, Christmas, have a really big wave of emotions, you know. Um, so yeah, you're quite right. Grief can come can, can come as a wave, you know. There's a wonderful poem actually on um if you type in on the interweb, um uh grief crashes like a wave. I believe you'd find that find the link to the poem. Um fantastic poem that describes that wonderfully yeah I'll, I'll have a little read of that definitely i'll, pa- and I'll put it in, i'll put a if i find a link i'll put it onto the episode notes as well so anyone i was just gonna say i think with um with grief and loss the important thing is to think about it or think about the person think about what they meant to think about how you're managing think about all those things by having tears by even having a period of depression now depression's a funny one you know like you can have too much of a good thing you know depression in like a in a small dose can be quite helpful that lull to give you time to space to grieve and process and work through things when it goes too far you get stuck in the tree called tarry depression that is a nightmare to get out of you know but to a to a point having a lull is not always a bad thing sometimes having that period is really beneficial so i think sometimes there's a there's 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 an importance to allow yourself to go lower at times you know obviously when you get to a stage where you're deep sticky tar talk to someone Mm. you know but for for a little while it's not always a bad thing to let yourself just just exist in that area just to because that's how human natural processes processes at work you know 
Yeah, and it's a, a bit like what you were saying before, wasn't it, about being yourself? And when we 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 talked about creating characters to, uh, and we lose sight of who we are, even in those moments in life where life isn't that great, and there are things that are, are, have gone wrong for us, or that things haven't um, like a, a loss, then allowing just those feelings to be there because it's I like I always like then it's something that I say quite often to myself if I'm in a tricky situation it's like this too shall pass and it always does doesn't it things do pass I love that saying I have a slight change on that saying but I love the saying I say to myself this too shall pass it might pass like a kidney stone <laughs> but it will pass um just to acknowledge that life is hard, you know? yeah. And it's like it's about um, another analogy. I love analogies. Yeah. If you hadn't guessed already, <laughs> I love them. But another analogy, um, I kind of think there's always. I'm tr- being careful not to swear on this. You can swear. It's um, like explicit warnings. It's okay. Wonderful. I think we always have shit in life, you know. Um, but however, ankle deep shit is much more okay than neck high shit, you know. Um, so I think. <laughs> I think. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think obviously the more shit we're having, the the more we need to be offloading, the more we need to be sharing, connecting, talking, et cetera, et cetera. And having those, like the, like you say, the networks there, either in friendship circles, having professionals, having people like you there, or having 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 it there and knowing that it's all available to you is, is part of the start of it, isn't it? To know that you can, there are people that you can offload to and there are people that can help you get through this if you need it. Absolutely. And you're so right in what you're saying there, because sometimes it's not appropriate to us to offload on a friend. Sometimes it's not appropriate to offload on your wife or husband. Sometimes they've got so much going on in their own life um, that actually it might be worth them finding someone external, someone who has ankle high poo, um, you know, who it's their job to offload their own stuff, you know, um, to their supervisors. Um, you know yeah and I think sometimes we can we can feel guilt can't we about offloading as well we sometimes feel that and some situations rightly so and other people like you say are dealing with a lot with different scenarios and they've got their own stuff they're working through but that's another one isn't it guilt yeah guilt guilt's huge I mean people might disagree with me here but I kind of think guilt and shame are two very different emotions that get confused I, I, I kind of think there's a place for guilt because guilt is um, that feeling remorseful about an action. So I don't know, um, I forgot to buy a birthday present. You know, I feel guilty about that. They were upset. I'm going to write down in my calendar now and I'm going to make sure I do it every year. That's quite helpful. It, it, I've changed my behavior because of my feeling, you know. When we look at shame, shame is if I didn't buy a gift, I'd think I am the worst person in the world. How would that person ever love me again? I mean, I don't even love myself. What an evil, horrible person I am that I didn't get a gift. They'll never forgive me. If you ever look with the, with the shame, I'm writing myself as a human being. Essentially, there was a thing that wasn't okay. You know, it wasn't good enough. But one allows me to address the behavior or lets me address the situation. The other one keeps me stuck in a place of um, helplessness almost, you know, just a cyclical pattern of hating myself, if that if that makes sense. Yeah, so guilt really can be quite a helpful emotion in some ways, can't it? If you feel guilt, it's giving you an opportunity to see, is there something I need to change? Is there something that I want to change? I, I believe it's really helpful. But I think, again, with all emotions, and I think this is where things fall down, emotions are difficult in general. Um, they're d- difficult to manage. But when we start adding negative judgments, when we start adding 
um, our thoughts, what other people are thinking, what other people are saying. When we start adding all that weight of stuff, it becomes impossible to work through the original emotion. You know, it becomes impossible to take the learning from the emotion. So a lot of counselling and other therapies is trying to remove all this stuff up here. You know, if we can just accept it is what it is and we're feeling what we're feeling um, and we're normal human beings because of this, um, it makes it much more manageable than to work through. Yeah. And we do. It's like we project all that stuff that I, I was only saying it to one of my friends the other day and she was talking about well, what people say, what people think. And it's like you don't know. And none of us know what anyone else is thinking. We don't we can we can say we've got it all sussed out we can play out the whole conversation we've had with them in our heads but the reality is we don't actually know it's all just made up really by our own heads isn't it every one of us in the world is flying by the seat of our pants um there is no blueprint to life and we're just feeling it out as we go um I, I, and yeah i think i think anyone tells you they've got i think complete together don't believe them it's not true i don't believe it i don't think anyone's got it all together no i don't i don't know anyone that says says they've got it all together and everything's sorted and they're just pretending if they <laughs> they do say that anyway i think some people are better at swanning so looking graceful on the surface but peddling underneath than others you know if, if you're more like me i flail um <laughs> you can see when i'm struck and i flail about yeah absolutely yeah it's just being yourself isn't it and again it's allowing all of that to, to happen there's something in there that's really important as well i feel yeah um there's such a wonderful healing property for allowing yourself to mess up allowing yourself not to be perfect and kind of going with it i hope in these podcasts because i'm not perfect i'm not always articulate i don't always get things exactly right but i hope through messing up and messing up with grace you know showing that it's okay and i'm, I'm okay with it you know I, i'll put my hand if i'm wrong and that's okay i hope that in itself is reparative and allows other people to be able to also you know mess up with grace you know we are humans that's how we learn that's part of the process um you don't have to feel bad or guilty or shameful for, for for doing things slightly wrong it doesn't make you any less of a human being you're born with worth you grow with worth your worth is separate to what you do i, I rely on mucking things up and getting things wrong because then it gives me content to talk about on the podcast i need i need to keep getting things wrong and having tricky situations i can talk about it then i think um i think again this is another saying i quite like to say i think it's important to fail and fail often and fail fast because i think the failing fast is the important bit in there if something goes wrong we can we can re-navigate our boat we can point in a different direction and we can do that lots and lots and lots of times it's not a problem if we keep having to do that directional change but if we mess up hide it go for a long long time on this journey suddenly we're very very far away you know from where we need to go you know if we just allow ourselves to to, to experience first attempt in learnings um we can just reposition ourselves you know move into the the healthy direction a lot sooner with a lot less energy expended and that makes sense in lots of areas doesn't it when you think about even um, in terms of industry how they operate and how they work that's how industry and organizations work isn't it rather than get to the point where they have disasters or they have big um, explosions or whatever happens it's 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 learning gradually along the way isn't it and the fa learning from the mistakes and some I mean going off on that tangent some industries are much better at it than others but that's 100%. Yeah, that's how it how it works, isn't it? If we, if we can just acknowledge thought, and I think emotions aren't real; they're not a factual thing. Um, your emotions can be completely illogical. 
Um, but it's important to validate them, even if they're illogical. It's a bit like a toddler. If you've got a screaming, shouting toddler, because, I don't know, you've said they can't have a hot cup of coffee and they're having a meltdown over it, we still have to validate that toddler, say it's okay for you to feel this way. I'm not going to give it to you. I'm not going to, you know... I'm not going to put you in harm's way, but I understand what you're what you're feeling. Um, and often, if you didn't do that with a toddler, they'd get louder, they'd get more upset. You know, sometimes the validation is enough. You know, mm. so even if we feel, I don't know, um, somebody looked at me in a funny way, and I've had this huge, massive emotional response. It's okay that you have an emotional response. You know, it doesn't mean we have to then go confront that person. It doesn't mean we then have to go, you know, quit our job. You know, yeah. But just validating that it's okay to feel this way. Thank you, body, for giving me this information. I'm going to can it. I'm going to put it put it away for a minute, you know, and process it. But thank you for giving this information because you're looking after me. Um, I, I think that's the thing of trying to be the adult to yourself, yeah. you know, trying to adult your inner toddler um, as opposed to letting the toddler, you know, run wild, you know, drive the car. You don't want your toddler <laughs> driving a car. Definitely you know? not. Yeah, and it's a good way, especially in relationships, isn't it, as well, because that can be very often a tricky area um, for lots of people in relationships where there's that kind of friction or there's wanting different things at different points. So um, controlling your emotions in that way, is a really good way in, in your relationship, I guess, as well, isn't it? I think the biggest thing with relationships is communication. I think often, I mean, this might not be the case for everyone, but I think often people in relationships say exactly the same things in different ways and then argue about the way they're saying the things when actually they, they kind of want the same things. Largely a couple wants to stay together and want to be happy, want to be healthy, want to love each other. Normally they're both on the same page, but through communication kind of end up fighting for no reason, you know? Um, yeah. Communication's a big one, isn't it? it, it it's huge. It, uh, it's huge communication. Um, often, I believe everyone is valid in what they say. Everyone is valid in what they think. It doesn't mean I agree with everyone. I don't have to agree with everyone, you know. Um, but I suppose with communication, if you can come from a standpoint of you are you and you think the way you think and I am me and I think the way I think and that's okay. Mm. What are we going to do? How are we going to get on back on the same page? How are we going to face the same direction again together? You know, for example, I mean, just to kind of make it a bit more easily understandable. Maybe not. Maybe I make it more confusing. Who knows? But if I think that I uh, need to, um, if I feel like I need to go out and spend lots of money to be happy, you think that um, that's a bad idea. We could be both be right in the way we're thinking, you know. It, it might be your coping mechanism. That might be the thing that you do is spending money. You might save money. You're both valid. But let's get on the same page. How are we going to deal with this together? Now, together, does that mean you're going to let me have a budget so I can spend a little bit of money because that helps me? And I'm going to not spend all of it because that helps you. How are we going to get on the same page together? But I think too often people have this thing where they go, you're wrong, you spend too much money. No, you're wrong because you save too much money. Well, that's kind of off the point. That doesn't matter mm. how you deal with things. You're, you're unique individual people. Let's actually focus on how we're going to move forward together. That's the important focus. You know. Yeah, for the world, the country, the whole as well. We've had all of that with the the pandemic. Before that, we had uh, people have completely different viewpoints about what's the right thing to do, what's the wrong thing. Before that, there was Brexit. <laughs> it's like, and you're right. We just we're we're, still, we're human, and we're all going to be moving together forward. So let's find a a way of doing it together. And and I like that when you said you think your way I think my way but we're we're still moving forward and the, I mean I've heard stories where some friendship circles have broken down from these yeah. these types of discussions so yeah 
it's important to allow people to be themselves. And I, I see it on, I mean, I love Facebook. I absolutely love Facebook. But you see it on there all the time where people go, no, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. And I, I kind of think to myself, how often has anybody, well, actually, I don't think anyone in the history of time on Facebook has said you're wrong. And the other person's gone away thinking, oh, no, they're correct. I've changed my mind now. Thank you for that. It, it doesn't happen. You know, the best thing we can do is, is um, understand we are us and explain how we see and how we feel. And let people explain how they see and how they feel. Um, and often you'll find that there's a common ground without trying to change each other. Yeah. You know, um, there's a common ground somewhere, I, I believe. Yeah, definitely. I, I completely agree. And it's it's so true. Isn't it? And I mean, I don't, I just don't know how, why people waste their time doing the argument. I mean, what do you tell, what have you been doing to, I've just been arguing with people I don't know on the internet. It's just, it's just a funny <laughs> way of spending your day. But um Facebook is great, isn't it, for all that kind of stuff. And I'm going to put a link actually to your Facebook page in the episode notes for anyone want, that wants to find um, your Facebook page. You. Well, I mean, we've talked about so many subjects and the time has just flown. I think we could go for hours and hours <laughs> on different things. <laughs> Easily. Yeah. We could talk about everything for hours, absolutely. <laughs> Definitely. I ask everyone who joins me at the table um, five quick fire questions. Are you happy to answer those? Yes, I, I'm happy. Good, good. Let's see, let's see what I come up with. <laughs> okay, so if you were sat with me at the table right now, what would you be drinking? Uh, if it was first thing in the morning, coffee. I always have a coffee in the morning to get me going. Fires you up. Uh, <laughs> so dead or alive, pick three people you would dream of having a conversation around the table with. Oh, lovely. Uh, Brian Cox, he is amazing. I love him as a human being. Tim Minchin, he is phenomenally funny and clever um and russell brands I, I i have a lot of time for all those three people yeah love to meet him. yeah i love watching some of russell brands um youtube videos some of the stuff that comes out it's just really interesting to hear like you said we said before com- loads of different opinions and different viewpoints yeah that would be an interesting conversation around that table if you were at a dinner party table what one song would you like to hear on the background music playlist Oh, there's so much I like. I'm going to say Love Me Tender, Elvis. That's a very special song. I sing it to my children, when, when they're, especially when they were born. It's a very special song to me. That's why I sing. That's why I love it. Okay, it's on the playlist. Uh, what's currently on your table? Um, oh, I've got a laptop, books, and a mug from my coffee that I had <laughs> earlier on. Uh, top dad. That's what I've got in front of me. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. <laughs> Voted. Yeah, top dad. Uh, what do you find to be the worst table habit? Oh, picking bogeys. Mm, God, yeah, that's gross, isn't it? The table. <laughs> <laughs> I'm... I mean, there's, there's a place for it. We're all human. Yeah. We have bogeys. Yeah. But maybe not at the table. <laughs> <laughs> so we've, we've, you've answered the quick fire questions. And just now, uh, tell us about where people can find you. If they've enjoyed this conversation, they want to connect with you, where can they find more from you? Thank you. Yeah, my, my website is www.andrewelliscounselling.co.uk. And from there, you can signpost to all the projects that I'm working on. We do all sorts of things like webinars, podcasts, counselling. Um, and I'm sure there's other things that I forgot. But yeah, that, that's that's the place to go. Um, or the Facebook page, which you said you'd link earlier on. Yeah. Do you know what? From your website, I did find um, some YouTube videos that are brilliant as well. And some of the terms even that we've used today, if you're a bit unsure when while you're listening, thinking, what does that actually mean? Then there's some great sort of like info YouTube videos, isn't there? They can get through your, through your website as well. 
we're at the early stages with that, but um, I'm really hoping that this will develop in something. Because you're right, for me, funny enough, actually, before I went to counselling, I learned a lot from Facebook groups and from YouTube information. And for me, it's really important to give back free and accessible information um so although it's not there yet and we're working you know we're, we're developing you know we're perfectly imperfect um hopefully that will continue to grow and progress you know and i just want to give back to people and give them what what was given to me in the early days what's what set me on my journey definitely and what a lovely way and that must be so rewarding to know that you're doing that and you're, you're living that life giving back it, it gives purpose to me that's a big thing for me um it gives me a sense of um that this whole mad existence that I've had has had, if it's helped one person, then it, then it, then it's worthwhile, you know. And um, it kind of makes um, all the stuff that I've lived through um, have reason, um, which is a wonderful human thing, isn't it? That we need to make reason, give give reason to things, you know. Yeah. But that, that's that's my attempt at giving reason. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for joining me today. I've loved this chat so much has come out there and I, I like you say i hope that if, if just one person listening to this podcast gets something from it then that's that's the reason for us being here isn't it absolutely absolutely thank you so much for having me on it's been a real pleasure joining you it's, i i really love your style you're so warm and you're you're wonderful at what you do so thank you no, so much thank you <laughs> and who knows maybe in the future we could do another definitely one. maybe we could do a part two down the road yeah definitely maybe we'll get some questions in if anybody wants that to happen and you want to fire some questions to andrew then get in touch with me i'll give you those details in a minute <laughs> yeah that would be amazing yeah let's do it let's do it thanks andrew thank you craig Once again, thank you, Andrew, for sharing all of that good stuff. What a lovely guy. So much knowledge, so much sense. And all of Andrew's contact details are in the episode notes. As always, a big thank you to you too for being here at the table, listening away. I'd love to have you back here again. And to make that happen with ease, please click the little follow button wherever you're listening. If you can't wait to the next time at the table and you want to join me somewhere sooner, then you can find me across social media at I am Craig Story. You can send your friends to me there too. They'll all be welcome. Until the next time, take care. Bye-bye. <laughs>